I want to pick up on our, our sermon from last week. Uh, last week we looked at this principle of Advent a little bit and started talking about getting ready for Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas was kind of the message. And You know, in, in all the getting ready, we have a lot of our traditions that we do. For some, it's, it's the things, it's the decorations. For other, it's the baking and the cookies. You know, whatever it might be, the wrapping of presents or buying of presents. We've all got things that we do. In our family this week... Um, the Christmas tree was put up. I better not take too much credit because I don't think I participated that much in the process. But the Christmas tree was put up and the ornaments were hung on the Christmas tree. And, you know, in, in, in that tradition, it got me wondering, like, the why. <laughs> why are we putting up a Christmas tree? Like, seriously, why does everybody put up a Christmas tree? And the reality, I could only come up with a few reasons. One, because that's what we've always done. Two, because we like the way it looks. And three, because we need somewhere to put the presents. I mean, really, what other reasons are there for putting up a Christmas tree? I mean, when I go to a Christmas party and I got presents, I know where the Christmas presents go because they got a tree. If they didn't have a tree, we're all just walking around. Where do we go? So that thought, the thought of the Christmas tree was in my mind as I was preparing for the service today, and I just want to read the, the story that you see in Scripture. Um, you're way ahead of me right now, Irene. Okay. I want to read the story from Scripture that's in Luke chapter 2, and I want to come back to my thoughts on the Christmas tree. That wasn't just a random thought that I just threw out there this morning. I really believe there's something significant in what this in what God was speaking to my heart concerning the Christmas tree. So, Father, we come to you today. We thank you that we're in your house. We thank you for the word of God that's living and active. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. And I pray, God, for fresh understanding today as we look at the word of God. Speak to our hearts. Minimize the distractions that may be in this room. and Minimize the things that may be around us. And help us, God, to truly hear what you Desire for us to hear. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. And I pray for your will to be accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas, this is going to be familiar. It's in Luke chapter 2. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And verse 7 is, is where I want to lean into this morning. The reality that Mary and Joseph were there, and there was no room for them in the inn. Other translations of this say there was no guest room for them. Another translation says there was no lodging for them. Another translation said there was no hostel for them. Whatever it was, I want to talk. Just think with me. Dream with me for a minute about the missed opportunity that was. So, let's just say, for instance, you're an innkeeper in Bethlehem when Jesus is there. 
What greater marketing opportunity has ever come to your door than the opportunity to advertise for all time? The Savior of the world was born here. Beds good enough for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's so nice here, Jesus couldn't wait to make His appearance. I mean, seriously, talk about the missed opportunity. Now, let's just say, if we don't like the translation of end, if it was a guest room, they were Joseph's families that were there, think of the missed opportunity for Uncle Steve. I mean, Uncle Steve could have a page in the book. All you guys, when you put up your nativity scenes, it's going to say Uncle Steve's house. Right? But there was no room in the inn. You see, no one was willing to make room for the gift. And today I want to talk as we prepare for Christmas. Today, as we're getting ready for Christmas, I just want to stop and think about the reality of, have I made room for the gift? I may not even know what the gift is. I don't think my wife knows what the gift is this year, yet. For me, I'm talking about. But we made room for it. Because there's expectation that a gift's going to come. Even if my wife loses some hair over that. Have you made room for the gift? Because, see, like I said, think of what was missed because there wasn't room made for the gift. And, and as I was thinking of my Christmas tree, and I was just, as I was thinking of this season, how, how, how much have we missed because we haven't made room for the gift? How much has, has God been offering? How much has God been trying to give us? But we just simply have said, hey, there's not room for that in my life right now. I haven't taken time to put up a tree or put the lights to decorate to get ready. I haven't made room for the gift that you're offering. And so I miss. What a shame. I don't want to think about how much I've missed. How many gifts that he wanted to give, but there wasn't room for them? This morning I want to read a story in, in Second Kings. It kind of looks a little bit different. It's a story about someone who actually did make room for the gift. Second Kings chapter 4. It says, One day Elisha went to Shunem. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. So what's happening? There's a woman in Shunem. Elisha is, is the prophet. When he comes to town, she always makes time for them to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. So let's do what? Verse 10. See, she made room for the gift. 
She said, let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Because she made room for the gift. One day, it says in verse 11, Elisha went up to his room and lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? You see, she can write a good gift. She made room. For the man of God. Now, I think she was receiving a gift, which was the presence of the prophet in the conversations she was having with him. But he said, man, I recognize that she's prepared a place for me. And because of her heart for me, because she made a place for me, I want to do something for her. So it says, can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my people. So what can be done for her? Elisha asked. And Gehazi said she had no son. And her husband is old. And Elisha said, call her. So he called her and stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Look what happened when she made room for the gift. I don't think this story happens if they had lunch one day, but she doesn't take time to make a room upstairs for the prophet to stay. But because she made room for the prophet, for the man of God, because she prepared her her place, was ready for the prophet, he gave her a gift that exceeded anything she could imagine. Her expectations were, my husband's old, don't say a word, no more babies. We can't have any kids. She didn't even have to ask, but see what happened was Elisha's servant Gehazi saw that she longed for this. He saw the, 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 the yearnings of her heart. What greater gifts could the prophet have given her? Yeah, can we go talk to the king? No, don't talk to the king. I'm fine. I got a house. Everything's good. And God. When she made room for the gift, gave her a gift. But the story doesn't stop there because that's what I love about God. Is he's good with his gifts. And so what we see, if you continue to read in chapter 4 of 2 Kings, that, that her son grows older. He's out in the field one day. Now this is where the story gets weird. He's out in the story one day with his dad and somehow... There's a farming accident. He gets smacked in the head with a sickle is basically what it reads in Scripture. I'm into the gift. The mom's distraught because remember what she said to, to, to Elisha, don't bother me. I mean, please don't do this if it's not going to be good. And, and literally her son dies, we see in the Scripture. And so the woman runs to find Elisha. She talks to Elijah and his, his servant and, and they're not there. And, and Elijah sends the servant Gehazi ahead and, and he gets there before Elijah and the woman show up. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, I want to talk about there's good gifts when we make room for God. There's really good gifts when we make room for him in our lives. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, he shut the door 
And the two of them prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi, called a Shunammite, and he did. And when she came, he said, take your son. She came in. She fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. She took her son and went out. I want to tell you, when you make room for the gift, God does some pretty cool things. He gave her a son, and he gave her her son back. Now, there's all kinds of principles that are rolling through my mind, but one thing that I want to communicate this more, if God has given you something, maybe he needs to redeem that gift today. Maybe he needs to bring that gift back to life for you. You see, that was God's gift to the Shunammite woman. That was his gift was her son. Now something happened to try to take that away, but no, because she made room for the gift. God gave her her gift and sealed her gift. He sent the prophet back who brought her son back to life. Man, it's cool when we start making room for the gift. Because see, her story doesn't stop there. Her story continues in chapter 8 of Second Kings. Now Elisha said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, it's going to be weird. There's a famine in the land. Things are getting tough where they're at. So the prophet says to the woman, go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last for seven years. Now this famine isn't just affecting the Shunammite woman. It's affecting everyone in the land. There's a famine that's going to last for seven years. And the prophet says to her, because again, she made room for the prophet. This conversation probably isn't happening if she didn't make a room upstairs with a table, a chair, and and a lamp for, for the prophet to be with her. If they didn't develop that relationship that came from sitting down at lunch and having meals together. He says, there's going to be a famine. Go away for seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines for seven years. At the end of seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. Because what happened? When she left, she lost ownership of her house and land. She lost everything she had. When we met her in chapter 4, she was a wealthy Shunammite woman. When we're meeting her in chapter 8, she has nothing. The king was talking to Gehazi. The servant of the man of God said, tell me about the great things Elisha has done. And just, I mean, just coincidentally, just as Gehazi was talking to the king about how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son, Elisha, had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. Just coincidentally. I mean, it just happened that Gehazi's having this conversation with the king about a kid that was brought back to life and the kid's mom walks in the room. I mean, that. Gehazi said, this is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back 
everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left this country until now. I want to tell you that when you make room for the gift, God will blow your mind. He will do more than you can imagine. He didn't just give her back her land. He didn't just give her back her house. He didn't give her a little cottage on the edge of town. He gave her back everything that was hers and more. And why? In my mind, all because she made room for the gift. All because she took that room upstairs nobody was using and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp so the man of God would have somewhere to stay. You see, what God is speaking to my heart is He desires to give us good gifts. God desires to demonstrate His love, His victory, His joy in a way in our lives, His hope in a way in our lives, yet we're not making room for the gift. We're not preparing the place. We're not developing the relationship. And we're not living in the place that God desires us to live. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And many of us are satisfied with having life and not to the full. And I just wonder how many of us are being fools because we're not living life to the full. You hear that? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 9 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I tell you what, God's got a gift he wants you to have. God's got a gift he desires to bring you. James chapter 1 says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us through a birth, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. God has a gift for you. We say it. There's a present. There's a gift. That God has for you. It's got your name on the bow. Have you made room for the gift? Every good and perfect gift is from above. What does this gift look like? Well, there's a multitude of gifts. I just want to go through some. This verse you see it in the football games. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son and whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. There's a gift of eternal life that God has for you. There's a gift of eternal life that is yours. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's God's gift to you. It's a revelation of His grace. For His, by His grace, you've been saved through faith, and this faith, and this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The salvation that you have. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people who haven't made room for the gift. 
God desires that you would experience the gift that He's offering, the, the, the revelation of His Son, the Word made flesh that we celebrated in communion, the name of Jesus Christ that brings victory, hope, and joy in our lives. Have you made room for the gift? Because the other gift, he said, as Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive what? Listen to me. Someone might have a present under the tree this year. Under the cross, if you like Greg's cross. It's the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about that gift. Jesus described him as the counselor or advocate is coming after me. It's the presence of God. It's the power of God that indwells us. It's, it's, it's God. We are temples of the Holy Spirit and He makes His dwelling within us. Yet many of us, we haven't made room for the Holy Spirit inside this temple. Talk about an incredible gift. The gift of Emmanuel, of God with me, of God in me. But we live full of flesh. And there's no room for the Spirit. We we haven't prepared a place for that gift. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, Holy Spirit, can we shout? There's no room here right now. Oh, I don't remember saying that. Well, what about your actions? What about your choices? What about the things you're saying and doing? Have you said that there's no room for God within you? Because that's a gift that keeps on, on giving. The gift talks about more gifts. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by, by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another still the interpretation of tongues. Do you see what could be under the tree for you this year? Man, I need some wisdom. I need some knowledge. I need some faith. I need some healing. I like these miraculous powers. Well, what about prophecy or distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpreting them? God has a gift for you. Man, I'm excited today. Want to get your kids excited? I'm telling them to make a Christmas list. Don't get me excited. Let's talk about what God wants to give you. Have you made room? Have you made room for the gift that God desires for you to have? John chapter 14 verse 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift. The the peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be afraid or troubled. I'm telling you, 2020, a lot of people need to open up a big old box of peace. We ain't made room for it. Oh, I don't got time for that. You don't know what's going on in my world. I've been quarantined. You made room for the gift. First John chapter three, verse one says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The world the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. God has a gift. 
of His love for you. He said, what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love this verse. I preached on this verse. The idea that it's not just a little bit, it's not just a dribble or a drip, but that He's lavished on us. That means He's poured it out with, 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 without abandon. He's, he's poured, it, poured it on us more than we know. It's, it's bigger or greater than anything we could dream for. Well, I don't got room for a big box, just a little one. Now I take a sprinkle of His love. His gift is that He wants to lavish His love on you. Look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 1. More spiritual gifts. The Spirit of God does not make us timid, but He gives us power. He gives us love and self-discipline. Maybe you need to open up a box with some self-discipline this year. That's like getting socks for Christmas. Hey, if you need socks, I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing like putting on a pair of socks for the very first time. You know what I'm talking about? A nice new pair of socks. Talk about a representation of God's love. Just soft and warm around your feet. Oh, cuddly. Yeah, you wash them a few times, it doesn't feel quite the same. That's kind of how we treat self-discipline. I'm telling you what, the first time you practice some self-discipline, the first time you say no, the first time you say, I'm going to spend time with God rather than spend time here, boy, it feels pretty good. Man, have you made room for the gift? Have you made room for what God wants for you? I prayed it this morning in offering. There's a a, a scripture in Philippians chapter 4. I don't have it up here. But it says that God will meet all the needs that you have according to the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. Malachi talks about a good measure pressed together, shaken together, and running over. Yeah, we can talk about these gifts, but I'll tell you what. God's got a gift of provision. He wants to give you as well. God wants to meet your needs. He wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. He wants to restore your own. He wants to restore what someone else has taken from you. Not just restore it, but make it better. It was a famine that robbed from this woman. It's been a plague that's robbed from a lot of believers in 2020. Maybe God wants to give you back what the enemy has taken from you. Maybe He's tried to take your firstborn son. Maybe He's tried to take your home. He's tried to take your provisions. But God's got a gift with your name on it. Man, I'm excited. I don't want some dude standing somewhere I never know of 2,000 years later saying, what if he'd have made room? What if he just would have opened up his guest room? What if she would have found a place For that pregnant woman and her husband. But it was easier to say, ain't no room. Nowhere for you. 
And what a shame it is. To live without the gifts that God desires to give you. What foolishness, excuse me, it is to not make room for God to give you everything He desires you to have. You guys can come forward. You know, in two weeks, there's a Christmas program next week. In two weeks, I want to talk about opening the gift. That's the the incarnation. But today, I just want to talk about making room for the gift. That's expectation. Making sure in your life you've taken the time to have lunch when he wanted to have lunch. You've taken time to remodel when he needed you to remodel. You've taken the time to dwell with him when he desired to be with you. You see, there's a gift. For some, it might be the gift of grace. It might be the gift of of salvation for others. The gift of love. The gift of peace. The gift of joy. The gift of self-discipline. The gift of power. The gift of healing. The gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge. The gift of tongues. There might be a multitude of gifts for you that the Father has this year. Will you make room for His gift? And I will say it all comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We must make room for the man of God in our life. We must make room for the Word of God made flesh in us so God can reveal His gifts in our lives. And I will tell you, there is joy in opening the gift. I will promise you, there will be excitement when it comes to seeing all that God has. You might be overwhelmed. You might be, be, be in awe. But there is something incredible about opening the gifts that God desires for you. Don't miss it. There's an abundance of love. There's joy. And there's provision. There's needs that you're wondering how. You're wondering where. You're saying no way. But God wants to meet those needs. Angie shared about a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over in her life. She shared the words of doctors versus the plans of God. God's gift in her life was to heal her. Come on, if you haven't made room for it. God, I come to you this morning. God, I believe you've been speaking to our hearts. Maybe we've recognized our attitude, our words that have said, hey, there ain't room for that right now. They've got so much going on. There's so many irons in the fire. There's so many situations that are surrounding me. So many inconveniences that have come my way this year. God, I just don't have time for anything else. 
Help us to make a room. God, I pray that we take intentional actions this morning. Maybe it's getting our phone out and putting time in our calendar that we're going to spend in the presence of God. Maybe it's the reality that I recognize where there's some clutter, but I'm not making time. So I've got to deal with that clutter. I've got to deal with that sin. I've got to deal with those situations. There's too much responsibility. There's too many things that are weighing on us where I've got to say, no, my responsibility is, but my priority is my relationship with God. And making sure, not that we neglect responsibility, but we find the priority for Jesus Christ in our life, the man of God, the prophet that we have access to. God, I pray this day that you help us to make room. And we have a worship team lead us in a chorus. And this morning, if, if you want to pray, whether it's about the sermon or whether it's about another situation in your life, I'll be up here to pray with you. If you don't want to come up and pray, I just encourage you to reflect on the words that God is speaking to you. And maybe start making your Christmas list. Maybe start writing down some of those things that you recognize, yeah, this is what I need this year. Maybe you talk to your father a little bit about the place that you're prepared so he can give you the desires of your heart. Are you ready for Christmas? You made room for the gift, the incarnation of Christ, the advent that He desires in your life this season. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you make room for the gift. Amen? Be blessed. I'm excited about hearing what God got you this Christmas. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear. I'm not going to get jealous either when I hear. You know what I mean? I'm excited. Be blessed.